I read an article recently titled, Heroes Are Back, and it said the day of the anti-hero are over, and uh, heroes are back. It referenced the television series, Heroes, and then made mention of some of the movies that have been made, Superman, Batman, and then some heroes that I have never heard of. So for the next three weeks, I want us to focus on some supernatural heroes who have been immortalized in Scripture. There are two men in Scripture about whom it is said they walked with God. One was Noah. And the Scripture says in Genesis 6, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. The other man about whom it is said that he walked with God is Enoch. So if you'll take your Bibles, we're going to look at him. Genesis chapter 5, beginning in verse number 21. And Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, what does it mean to walk with God? Enoch was a man who walked with God. What does that mean? Well, I think, first of all, to walk with God means that there is meaning in life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, all of us are looking for a life of meaning. We want to feel that we have meaning in life, that we have purpose in life, and walking with God gives us that sense of meaning. Richard Sneed wrote, Life is currently described in one of four ways, as a journey, as a battle, as a pilgrimage, and as a race. Select your own metaphor, but the finishing necessity is all the same. For if life is a journey, it must be completed. If life is a battle, it must be finished. If life is a pilgrimage, it must be concluded. And if it is a race, it must be won. So when I think about walking with God, to me that gives completion or fulfillment to life. So if one wants to have a life of meaning, a life of completion, then that life comes as a result of walking with God. Now, to walk with someone suggests fellowship. If I walk with someone, then I am fellowshipping with that person. Now, we know that is true within our physical relationships each morning. Linda and I get up and walk my dog Tex. And we walk Tex around, and it is a time of exercise for him, but of fellowship for us. And while we're out walking the dog, it is very natural and very non-threatening to talk about whatever it is that we want to talk about. And so we might talk about that Tex is getting old, or we might talk about the squirrels that are running, or the birds that are singing, or the beautiful sky, the day that God has given to us. We, we might be talking about what the, the, how good the Lord is and how the Lord has blessed us. Sometimes we even talk about you while we're out there. 
So it is a time of fellowship. It's very natural, it's very non-threatening to walk with someone and to talk with that person. It is a time of fellowship. Let me tell you what is unnatural and very threatening. And that is when you have gone to bed at night and turned out the lights and then hear out of the darkness those words, we need to talk. Terror. To every man, he knows what I'm talking about. And I see all of y'all grinning out there. It is a terrible thing. You've just gotten in bed. You've turned out the lights. You're anticipating going to sleep. And we need to talk. So what do we say? What's wrong? Nothing. You know, the truth is, I think oftentimes nothing is wrong. You all just do that to keep us out of balance. What's wrong, really? What's wrong? Nothing. I also think that you think sometimes if you are so insensitive as to not know what is wrong, then there's no reason for me to tell you. But being the literalist that I am, I decide, okay, nothing's wrong, so I'll go to sleep. And I find a nice little position, and I start to go to sleep, and then I'll hear, <sighs> I say, what's wrong? Nothing. Then you're going to have to quit sighing, because I can't sleep with you doing that. And then it's... It's all about you, isn't it? It's always all about you. About that time I say, get up, we're going to go walk the dog. So walking with someone is a time of fellowship. It is very non-threatening. It is a very natural time. Not only is that true physically, but to walk with God is a time of spiritual fellowship with Him. As we walk with God, it means that we get to know God better. It means that we learn about God. Micah wrote in, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? You see, if we walk with God, then it is a time of learning about God. We learn His ways. And the Bible tells us, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So then to walk with God means that I am learning the ways of God. Deuteronomy 5.33 says, You shall walk in all the way which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. To walk with God then means that I'm learning about Him. That I'm learning the ways of God. That I'm learning the heart of God. And I also think that it suggests that when I walk with God, that He has my heart. The Scripture says in 1 Kings 8, 23, There is no God like thee in heaven or on earth beneath who are keeping covenant and showing loving kindness to thy servants who walk before thee with all their heart. 
Do you walk before God with all your heart? See, I think that's what it means. I know that sometimes Linda will say to me, Wendell, how much do you love me? Now, I know the answer to that one. With all my heart. That's what she wants to hear. That's what you want to hear from the one that you love. Do you love God with all your heart? I, I was reading, Steve, uh, the, the chorus that we sang, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing praises unto thee. Oh, for a thousand hands to raise in honor of the King. And as I read that and we sang it, I thought, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing praises unto thee. But what am I doing with the one tongue I have? Oh, for a thousand hands to raise. But what do I do with the two I have? You see, to walk with God means that He has my heart. And that's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. That is not just a religious service. It's not just something that we go through, a ritual that we go through. But that God has my heart. And that He has your heart. To walk with God means that He has your heart, I believe. And then it also suggests spiritual maturity. First Kings 8.61 says, Let your heart therefore be wholly devoted to the Lord our God, to walk in His statutes and to keep His commandments as at this day. To walk with God, I think, means that there is a spiritual maturity that is taking place in your life. No wonder we like the song, And He walks with me and He talks with me. And he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. So to walk with God to me then is fellowship. It's fellowshipping with God. But it also, I think, speaks of relationship, that we have a relationship with God. Now, we know facts about God. If I were to ask you today, who were the parents of Jesus, immediately all of you would say Mary and Joseph. If I were to ask you, where was he born, you would all say in Bethlehem. If I ask you about his death, you would tell me that he died on the cross in Calvary. So we know facts about God, but the question is, do you know him? Do you have a relationship to God? Oh, not just facts about him. Not just knowing information about him. But do you know him? And the Bible says that we know Him when we put our faith in Christ and by His grace, then He saves us. Enoch walked with God. And that's what I want to do, and I know that's what you want to do, to walk with God. And that gave meaning to life, and that gives meaning to your life. But then secondly, it is a life that motivates, and there are three motivations I see for walking with God. The first is family. You'll notice in verse number 21, And Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. Folks, when children are born to us, then uh, things change, don't they? And the spiritual becomes important. Our walk changes, doesn't it? When you have children, aren't you more conscious of your walk? I, I still remember it is painted very vividly in my mind. We lived in Oklahoma City at the time. Stephanie was a little girl, and it had snowed, and we had gone out in the yard. I had gone out in the yard. And I was walking through, and as I was walking through the yard, and I looked back and I saw Stephanie behind me. 
stepping in my steps. And that was a, that was a lesson to me. That was a reminder to me. I, I better be careful where I'm walking because there's a little girl who's stepping in my steps. You see, when children are born to us, it changes things. Now we become very conscious, very sensitive about where we are walking because they are looking to us. Our priorities change. I have seen some of you who at one time in your married life you were free to do a whole lot of things and you were going over here and doing this and over there and doing that. And now that I see you Friday evening, Saturday morning over at Upward Basketball. Now is that really what you plan to do at this stage of your life? Probably not, but you have children. And so your walk changes. Whenever children come into the family, we become more conscious of where we're walking. We become more uh, conscious of what we are doing. Our priorities change. You see, our children motivate us to walk with God. I told you before that I got into church because I thought Stephanie needed to be in church. It wasn't me, but I was motivated by that, that I have a little girl and I have responsibility here and opportunity. And so children and family changes your walk. Not only does family, but also fear. Mine, I know that there are those who think, well, you know, fear is not a good motivation. The doctors use it. If you don't lose some weight, you're going to die. They use it. Parents use it. I took Hank to the, see the movie recently, um, We Are Marshall. And there was a movie being advertised because I said so. I don't know what it's about. I just saw the title there. And I, I told him, I said, I used to tell your daddy that. And Hank looked at me and said, yeah, well, now he says that to me. <laughs> Parents use it, and so does God. You see, God warns us about impending danger to motivate us to do right. He did that with Noah. When the Lord came to Noah, He said, Noah, I am going to judge the earth. I am going to send a flood. So you are to build an ark. You are to get your family in that ark. You are to share the message. And so God used that, that judgment is coming, so that Noah would build the ark. He did the same thing with Lot. Before the fire and brimstone fell, the Lord said to Lot, I am going to bring judgment on Sodom, and so you need to get your family out. But he warned him, God warns us to motivate us to do right. As I was thinking about that, some are obvious, but you know one of the warnings I think of God, or one of the things that he uses is, uh, is the threat of exposure. You may do wrong... But somebody's going to find out. Did you know that? You can't hide it. In fact, the Scripture says, My spirit will not always strive with man. Be sure your sins will find you out. The Lord has told us that our sins are going to be found out. And so, I don't know about you, but whenever I am tempted to do something wrong, I think, you know, God's going to find out about that. But that's what the Lord says. And then another motivation is judgment, that we are going to give an account for our wrongs. The Scripture says in Romans 14, 12, So then each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Do you realize that one day you are going to give an account of your life to God? 
writes in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So the Lord says, one day you're going to give an account. One day you and I are going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and we are going to give an account for our lives and he uses that as a warning that you and I might do right. So there's family, there's fear, and then there's faith. Enoch had faith in God. He had faith in his word. And I believe that if your faith is real, you want to walk with God. If you know the Lord, truly know the Lord, you want to walk with him. That doesn't mean that you always do it perfectly. But that is your desire. You want to walk with God. So there's faith. The next thing I see is that this is a life to maintain. And walking with God should be something to which you and I are committed. And Enoch was consistent in that. It was difficult. It wasn't easy for him. In fact, over in chapter 6, verse number 5, the Bible says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know, sometimes I get to thinking that, boy, it has never been this bad. This is the worst that it's ever been and so forth. And in some ways that's probably true. But I also, in reading Scripture, discover that man has always had a struggle with sin. And the Bible says that during the time of Enoch, that man was given over, his intent was evil continually. So he was given over to sin. So here we have a godly man living in an ungodly world, just as you are doing today. And yet Enoch was consistent. So you see in verse number 22, then Enoch walked with God 300 years. Folks, the ungodliness of the world is no excuse for you and I not living godly lives. The world has always been ungodly, and sometimes we, we justify or rationalize our actions by saying, well, everyone else is doing this, or this is what is done today. That is no excuse for you living an ungodly life. Enoch was consistent in walking with God. Christianity has a credibility problem today because of inconsistencies among Christians, and may I say that when we are unchristlike, that is noted by the world. When we claim that we know Jesus, when we say that we are Christians, and we live contrary to our confession, that is noted by the world. And that's true in our homes. People come to church on Sunday and look spiritual and nice and so forth, and then go home and live a different life when others are looking. Husbands, let me ask you a question. At home, not here at church, but at home. Does your wife think of you as being a man of God because of your actions at home? Wives, let me ask you a question. Does your husband think of you as being a godly woman because of your actions at home. You see, Paul told us, man, that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Do you love your wife that way? 
sacrificially. Wives, it says, respect your husbands. Do you? Parents, do you treat your children according to Scripture? The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You see, as parents, that's our responsibility. To bring them up in the instruction of God's Word. To discipline them in the Word of God. Now, they may not like it, but they need it. And that is a responsibility that has been given to us. Children, let me ask you, do you honor your parents? The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You say, well, mom and dad are either one or the other. They really are not deserving of it. That's not what it says. It just says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. may not be popular, but it's right. Are you consistent at home? Do the people who know you best think of you the way the people here at church think of you? Are you consistent in your business, your place of work? Well, I know that there's a lot of pressure on you at work. There's a pressure of performance that I have to perform. There's a pressure of productivity that I have to produce. There's a pressure of making a profit. And you know, it is my belief that if you are a Christian that you ought to perform, I think that Christians ought to be the best workers. We ought to produce. We ought to make a profit. But saying all of that, our work should be a testimony of God. I mean, if you're a Christian businessman, you're a Christian businesswoman, then you should perform and you should produce and you should do all of those things in your business. But the way you conduct your business should say to everyone who does business there that you are a Christian. Are you consistent there? Consistent at home? Consistent at work? Are you consistent in the pleasures in which you are involved? Are they godly? Students, are you consistent at school? When you go to your classes, when you go to your campus, if you claim to be a Christian, are you consistent there? Do other people think of you as being a Christian? We are to maintain our walk with God. Finally, walking with God is a life of mystery to the world. Enoch was a mystery. Now, he was translated in verse number 24, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So the Bible says that Enoch walked with God, and now he's gone, for God took him. And there is a mystery surrounding that. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 11:5, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. So the scripture says then that Enoch walked with God and now he is gone because God took him up and he was not found. Now when the Bible says that he was not found, that says to me that they were looking for him. You seen Enoch? I saw him yesterday, but I haven't seen him today. Well, where is he? I don't know. Somebody said God took him. So there was a mystery concerning him. He was not found. But did you know, and here's the thing that is interesting to me, that there is a sense in which Enoch represents the church, I think. There is a sense in which Enoch represents the church. Because one day, I think, the church is going to be raptured. 
The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 17, Then we who are alive and remain, we who are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now, as I understand Scripture and my understanding of eschatology, is that at any time, one day, the Lord is going to remove His people. He is going to remove the church from this earth, just like Enoch was. And we who are alive and are remain, we shall be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. So someday, the Lord is going to catch up His church, rapture His church. And there is going to be a mystery because people are going to be looking for those who are saved. Where are they? You see, there are going to be people left behind. Those who are not Christians. And those who are Christians are going to be caught up. They are going to be taken out of this world. And people will look for them. But they'll be gone because God took them. And so there's separation. Friend, here's the thing that's always on my heart concerning that. Is that I am a Christian. It is my belief that one day the Lord is going to rapture His church, take His church out. Those who are not Christians are going to be left behind. Therefore, there's going to be a separation. If you're a Christian, other loved ones of yours are not Christians. It could be that one day you're going to be caught up, you're going to be taken out, and those who are not Christians are going to be left behind. So let me conclude. To walk with God. It is walking with God that gives meaning to life. If you want a life of meaning, if you want a life that is, uh, that is meaningful... You'll find it by walking with God. We're motivated to do so by family because some of you have little children coming in your footsteps. By fear and by faith. And it is a life to which we should be consistent. There was a Sunday school teacher teaching about Enoch one Sunday. and So she asked the question, to her class, can anyone tell me about Enoch? And there was a little girl who raised her hands and she said, I think I can. The teacher said, well, tell me. She said, well, one day Enoch and God went for a walk. And they walked and they walked and they walked and they walked. And after a while, God said, Enoch, you're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you come home with me? I don't know if it's exactly that way, but I like that. That Enoch was so close to the Lord and so close to the things of God that God said, Enoch, why don't you just come home with me? Folks, that's what I'm asking you, and it is so imperative today, that we who name the name of Jesus, that we walk with God. Will you commit your life to doing that? And you see, we walk with God by being obedient to Him. God, what do you want me to do by being obedient to Him? Our Father and God, we come to a time of invitation. Thank you for inviting us to walk with you. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll move upon the hearts of some today who, who have never established a walk with you, and that today they... They would trust you as Lord and Savior. I pray, Father, for some who have been walking out on their own. I pray today that they will come back to walk with you. Bless this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, in just a moment, we will stand and the choir will sing a hymn of invitation. My friend, if you're here today without Christ, would you commit your life to Him? If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. We'll just hold hands and walk together with the Lord. Our doors are open to you. You come. Whatever God's saying to you, you do today. I'm going to ask that you stand with me, please. As we stand together and the choir sings, you come. I'll greet you as you do.